0: 97, down away, up away, down and in, up and in, breaking balls for strikes, change up in the zone. I'm in the stands, and I'm like, holy shit. I can throw a fastball somewhere over the plate, but I don't know if I, you know, exactly match up with this guy. Put that coffee down. That's a clown question, bro.
1: Okay, welcome back to off script, another episode, Lance Zerline, Eric Layden. How you doing, pal? I'm good. I've got uh, a
2: cocktail ready to go. I feel like yeah. you always, you know, you're always ahead of the game when it comes to that. And as you can see right here, I busted out the Blackland Distillery bourbon. I'm mm-hmm. holding it up so you can see it. The the good people at home can't see it. So they're wanna, you know, they're the, he's a guy. The guy who did this is ridiculously talented. He's a lawyer. His name is Marcus. He's a lawyer. Um, he's decided to go to culinary school just because he wanted to learn more about high-end food and how to make it. And so he did while, while he studied his law practice and then he no said, you know what? that's not enough. I want to go become a certified Psalm. So he wanted to tie his, you know, the food stuff along with the wine stuff. And that's what he did. And then he said, "You know what? I think what I want to do in the next stage of my life." He just did that just for fun. Hi. Then he said, "I want to create my own distillery right here in Texas." So what he did was he went and studied distilleries, and he's got one here. It's outside of Fort Worth. He's one of the only. There's only like ten to twelve percent of the of the you know producers of bourbon, for example, and rye mm-hmm. who are grain to glass, and he's one of them. And his stuff is unbelievable. And I told him, I said, hey, do you care if we give these out to our guests? He's like, absolutely. So we're going to do that from now on. Vodka, gin, bourbon, rye. You take your pick. He, he's going to send it to him. Or will or he'll send it to me, and I'll get it to them. But um, right now, today, I made yeah, What are you, you drinking there? Yeah, that so looks this nice. Is, this is good. This is one of my favorites. So what I did was uh, a penicillin, which usually is with scotch. Mm-hmm. I... I take Blackland uh, bourbon, and I I use bourbon instead. You still hit a little smoky scotch on top of it to give it a little smoke, uh, which is nice. And then I like to add a little egg white, shake it up, and you get a little frothy creaminess to the uh, cocktail. And uh, it's lemon. It's three-quarters lemon, three-quarters ginger syrup. Um, I go two ounces of, in this case, bourbon and a little peaty scotch just to give it a little smoke. I would imagine you could you could mess around with with uh, mezcal if you wanted to do that as sure. your as your as your base it'd be a smoky cocktail but uh it's fantastic i know they started off in new york is where the uh, the penicillin got started but uh i'm psyched to have a bourbon a spirits place a distillery sponsoring us where we can give this away he's like yeah whenever you want to give that away to to uh you know the different people that you're you're going to have on go ahead so i said well how about we get four of them all of your spirits sent off to eric layden in california he said i don't think it would make sense
1: not to do it i'm in yeah so you're going to be you're going to be liquored up here in about a week so that means by the next podcast i'm my performance levels going to increase
2: i think so i think it's um yeah. see to me this is a performance Enhancing. It's a performance enhancer. It's a pet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. now what happens with a good alcohol is it goes from PED to a distraction.
1: Yeah. The learning how to flatten the curve mm-hmm. is something that takes years and years of experience and really knowing and understanding your body, much like an athlete. Similar. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very similar. It also depends on the drug. It depends on whether or not we're talking about uh, a beer mm-hmm. uh, or if we're talking about, you know, some old fashions or some penicillins, you know. A, well, a, they a, can trick you when they're smoother. That's right. So when they're smoother and they're hiding in there uh, behind that smoky, that nice smoky taste, uh, you can get yourself in trouble. That's the I'm, secret.
2: The hide. The, when they're hiding. I've never heard. I've never heard a put like that. That's exactly what it is. It's hiding. It sneak attacks you
1: yeah yeah now i can't remember honestly the last time i got really really drunk i i've right it's been a long time i'm not looking to be in that place anymore in my life that those days are, are long gone um i i enjoy a cocktail as much as the next person certainly during quarantine life um I feel like every night when the kids go down, I pour myself a little bourbon, a little rye. Those are my 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 choices right now. I'm kind of Mm -hmm. on a brown kick, yeah. Um, And so, I I I, but I but I keep it at you know one or two one or two pours uh, depending on the night. Now, last night, my wife and I decided to go to. I think you were on the phone with me when I was picking up a a little cocktail to go. The mezcal packet. That's right. So, the cocktail there's, packets, yeah, that's right. Beautiful Italian restaurant down the street, Osteria Labuca, uh, old LA staple, uh, has a rich history. And, um, they are giving a, or not giving away, they are selling these little, uh, packets, cocktail packets. I got a, a mezcal old fashioned. It was good. It was a little sweet. Um, I didn't, it, it's certainly better when the mixologist is there mixing it. Uh, mm-hmm. than it was, you know, drinking, pouring it from a Tupperware into my mixer. And it did not look as beautiful as the one I'm seeing on the screen that you're drinking right now. No, this is, um, yeah, this is high tech right now. I'm going coffee. Uh, you know, it's, is that really coffee? Here. I see. It's a it coffee is. cup. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's coffee. Okay. It's coffee. It's one o'clock here. I still got to get my run in, so I'm not quite ready to, uh, pour myself. up. I
2: like coffee. how you skip part of the uh, story about your mezcal, uh, your mezcal, uh, mm. cocktails. Okay. You skip part of it. You skip the part where you were forced into ordering the Mm -hmm. convenience fee meatballs where the guy goes, hey, you cannot just order this type of cocktail package. You got to get something Italian. And so you say, oh, give me some meatballs. This is true. (laughs) That was you didn't even think about it because, you know, it's on the menu. You could have said calamari or meatballs and you're good. Right. But meatballs, you could have said garlic bread meatballs meatballs is a little like you didn't have a dinner you didn't have dinner plans I felt like <laughs> I you did. dove in a little bit
1: no i did dive in and these are the these are the times where my wife will really get irritated with me because mm-hmm. oftentimes i'll be driving uh in the afternoon and let's say i'm coming from santa monica and it's about four thirty. uh i know i'm in for about an hour drive yeah i might pull into in and out and just crush a double double with some fries Sure. Well, what that does is when I come home and the wife has made a Hold full on, dinner. at Four thirty, you might do that. Oh yeah. Before, oh, so yeah. that's dinner. N- well, it's not meant to be a double double of fries. There is no other. There is no other meaning to that. Eric, I, I get a little peckish, and then what happens is I get home and the wife goes, "You ready to eat?" And I was like, you know what? It's six thirty. I, I, uh, you know. You know, yeah, I mean maybe we just wait and eat a little later. What are you talking about? You always like to eat early. Yeah, I know. I'm just feeling, you know, I'm a little she's like, You ate you ate a burger, didn't you? What? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. She said like, you had ketchup on your shirt. You ate a burger, didn't you? That's where see, that's, I don't, how, that's where the that's, food child would have come in handy. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't do that. Or an I'm extra shirt, that. like a food t shirt that you keep in your car. Yeah, then she'd think I was having an affair if I had, like, a shirt rolled up under the seat that I need to put on after I eat my in and out Why aren't you eating much?
2: Oh, just kind of thing with the stomach. I don't
1: know right. what this is. Oh, it's a double-double of fries. That's what it is. That's what it was. Well, I'm just – I'm like a child a lot of times. If I – I'll forget to eat lunch, and then all of a sudden 3.30 I creeps on me. I've never
2: heard of that. I mean, that's crazy to me.
1: Well, it's not because I – but I will have eaten – you know, a big breakfast and then I'll have eaten like a protein shake at like 1130. And then the next thing I know, you know, it's four and I'm, I got traffic ahead of me and in and outs on my right. And, you know, I mean, if that's just, it's like a fly to a, a light, you know, yeah. I mean, you just, you're hitting in and out. If you're driving by it and it's on your side of the street, you're not, it's not that going, you're not, not going. Right.
2: Well, I mean, not we have water burger, which is, which is our version of in and out and we love it. I just, Figure, like sometimes I fool myself into believing, you know what? I'll go over to the mall, pre-pandemic, obviously, and I'll go work the food courts for multiple samples, and this will Ooh, tie wow. me over. Yeah,
1: I've done that before. I'm a veteran. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. Just let's pause that really quick. Yeah, I do That's fine. Yeah, I don't know the last time I ate in a food court. So I mean yeah. the the like are we talking like you're tasting Panda Express and uh, uh, China uh, dumpling and yeah. then maybe like a real shit Greek place where like the you can see the tabboulehs has been sitting out for I a week. I can tell you exactly
2: half. what it is. Okay, there's, give a, me your lineup. there's a rap place right as I get down the steps of the galleria. There's a rap place. Okay. Mm-hmm. It it's a path I take. It's like a wrap wrap. <laughs> wrap, like things that are wrap. So it's a lot like some people have jogging paths. I have food Mm -hmm. court paths. And -hmm. so you hit the wrap place, you hit the new place Mm -hmm. that is a fusion Cuban and Chinese place, which is just Mm -hmm. some kind of way to circumvent the amount of Chinese restaurants they can have in Mm -hmm. one food court. Mm -hmm. So I hit that. Theirs isn't that great. Then you go hit the uh, cheesesteak place. They've got a sample. And then double Chinese restaurants at the into the food court where they are carnival barkers. And I mean, Mm -hmm. aggressively yelling you down to come try their bourbon chicken and orange chicken. And it's always Mm -hmm. bourbon chicken and orange chicken. There's no
1: variation. Now, are these samples that have been set out or they do the toothpick and they just grab it out of the deal? Toothpicks out of the deal. Yeah. So you hit that. That's not going to happen anymore.
2: Did I do this? Oh, and because I don't like saying no to sample people, even in Costco's or whatever, Mm -hmm. I feel guilty. I'll hit them with this fake phone call, walk away as I'm looking, perusing their menu above them. Like, Hmm, what am I going to get? I walk away, act like I'm agitated with a phone call and leave. They really don't give a shit if I'm going to order or not. I I, I usually think that, but, but in my heart, I feel like I'm letting them down. If I've eaten their food, like I didn't live up to the bargain, which is there's a certain percentage of conversion rate they're looking for. And I'm usually that sucker that every once in a while will get wrapped in. Now, if I go do something else, Eric, let's say I go get a haircut. Sometimes when you come back around, the people handing out stuff have changed. And it's like, oh, a, it's a reset. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. It's a reset. Let
1: me ask you this. When you get the ice, is unbelievable. Ice is, I mean, it's, ice is this is unbelievable. delicious. Look at okay. it.
2: Look at, look at my ice program too. Ice, this is, you oh, know, it's the cocktail ice. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, thanks Blackland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you get the sample, or we, let me let me say this. When you dodge the sample giver, are you dodging them because you feel like I don't really like what they're what they're offering? Or I know I'm gonna like it, but I also know I'm not gonna buy it, and that's gonna make me feel guilty.
2: No, I never dodge. If I dodge you, I don't want I don't want it. I'm not dodge it. No, no, no. I'm gonna take their sample. I have to pretend like I'm considering purchasing from their sample it's just a guilty it's just it's that's how Mm. I get it's like when I take like if you're at an HEB or a grocery store and they Mm. give you a sample and like oh this is good and you pick it up you walk three aisles and you put it on a shelf by mayonnaise it's the same
1: thing I've done that Mm. plenty of times yeah no I haven't done that
2: yeah well it's a veteran move I'm not the only person listening to this podcast who has taken a sample pretending
1: like you were going to buy it at a grocery store and then you dump it three aisles uh, deep so when you take a telemarketer's call, do you keep them on the line just yeah, so they feel I'm good about themselves? I'm notoriously
2: shit at this, too. My wife is notoriously mean. I'll tell you a quick story. I'm. Brutal. I hate – I hate – I know it's a hard job, and I just – I – I kind of feel for him. I and my wife just I don't have any interest in talking to you. Like why do you have to you don't have to be an asshole about it. Sure you do. So one time, this is a true story. I've told it on the radio a couple of times. This is all none of this is hyperbole. None of it is not real. It's 100% real. So ding dong Saturday. Shit. I know it's Jehovah's Witness. I'm 100% sure. Nobody comes to my house at this particular time Oh, like to the year- house. Yeah, ding dong at the house. Wow. On a Saturday College football. It's probably right about eleven fifteen because mm. I remember the games had started Central Time, and I'm like, man, I bet it's Joe I look out there, it is. So I open it up, and you'll appreciate this. I go to Russian accent. I figured this will throw them off. They mm. will not. And I can't speak any Russian. I don't know any words. Right. But I, I, but I can speak like this. Like I don't have time for you to tell me these things. <laughs> you know, like I think that's going to throw them off. So I don't know English that well, my character. So I open the door and they say, "Oh, and it's it, you know they're they're in a they're aligned in a two-one, you know two mm-hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses in the front, one in the back." Right. And I said, "Formation." It, it's in a it's a two-one formation, mm-hmm. and they've got me outflanked, and I'm like, "I don't," because my English obviously is not good either, mm-hmm. but I know enough Russian accent to get by, not Russian actual language. And I say, "Right." Um. Don't. Uh, can we speak what you'll say Uh, and this lady goes where are you from and I said Russia and from the back this woman starts speaking Russian and I'm like and at this moment (laughs) at this moment I, I don't I don't know where I can go I don't know if I give in and admit defeat I'm like wow I can't believe you, one of you can speak Russian. So I say, oh, I said, one second. <laughs> I close the door. I go into the other room to regather. I'm like, what can I do? I don't know Russian. She knows Russian. I obviously can have a conversation with her because I'm you know, Russian, as my character is. So I have to go back out with my fake ass, oh, blah, 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 that I learned from wrestling when I was a kid. And I'm like, open the door and am like, I can't speak to you right now. <laughs> and she goes, but all I'm like, <laughs> shut the door and just, God, from that point forward, I just said, don't ever, ever pull that shit again. No Never, characters. Just don't answer. Don't do no characters. characters. And I found out, I told the story on the radio. And what I found out in, is that the Jehovah's Witness, they, they find out what the most spoken languages are. And they usually have three people. Like they can speak a total of seven languages or something like that. It within certain groups, so they know what's And coming. Russian apparently is spoken in Houston. I who knew? So,
1: well, um, that's amazing. I like that you use Jehovah's Witnesses to go into uh, to go into character. Yeah, we, we've got guys all the time trying to stop us on the street where I live. It's a walk street, a little neighborhood, and they, uh, you know, do you have to? Hey, excuse me, sir. Do you have time for AIDS research? Nope. Hey, excuse <laughs> me, sir. Uh, uh, we're trying to uh, feed the kid. Nope. Wow. Really? You don't have time to feed kids? Nope. I got two kids at home I got to feed. That's why I'm going to Burger Lounge. Thanks.
2: (laughs) Well, sir, I see you've got ketchup all over your shirt. It looks like uh, you've
1: already No, it's blood from the last guy that tried to buy me something. (laughs) Lance fucking McCullers Jr. Boy, he can go in
2: so many different directions. Like I said, he's one of my favorite guys to interview because he goes, and you could see he held back. There's some interviews where Lance holds back. There's some interview portions where he could have said more, and if the mics weren't on, he would have, and I think
1: he had to catch himself, and Major Mm -hmm. League Baseball and the Houston Astros are glad he did. And for those who don't know, we are talking about Lance McCullers Jr., our guest today, starting pitcher for the Houston Astros, has been part of the Astros organization since he was drafted in 2012, 41st overall uh, out of Tampa, Florida. He was the Gatorade National Player of the Year in high school, and he is a massive part of the success of the Astros in recent years. Um, Of course, he was part of that 2017 team that won the World Series, but was also the target of the cheating scandal that we've heard so much about over the last 12 months. Uh, He started Game 7. He's been a huge reason why we have a banner in that park and uh that's something we're gonna get into i thought he
2: owned it too he even said hey let's not dance around it like he didn't dance yeah. around it
1: no no he knew it was coming and i appreciated that i appreciated that that he said let's just talk about it he knew we were gonna you know go mm-hmm. there and we did i i probably um when he did start to get fired up a little bit i i might have I might've moved off of the, off of it a little early, but, um, but I, you know, I'm not that this is not a chat where I'm looking to get him. Oh, in no. trouble. This is a chat where I just, dude, it's, he's, you know, it's, it, it's so nice to talk to a dude who you respect and admire. And you're a fan of like I am of his and realize he's a dude. You'd go sit and have beers with. Um, yeah.
2: And that's regardless of my disappointment about what happened with 17. Um, because, as someone who wanted the Astros to win the World Series so bad, and really, frankly, just loved covering the team, it was—it's my favorite team that I have ever cheered for as a lifelong Houstonian, and I mean that's saying that's saying a lot. And to retroactively find the stuff out that I knew would taint it, yeah, I think sometimes it'll get overplayed by people, but they have the upper hand. I mean, it is what it is. It happened. You can't say anything about it. I get a little pissed off about some of the 19 stuff that there's no evidence of anything, yet people have that doubt now so they can they can throw stuff out there. But uh, ultimately, if they get back to playing baseball, which is no guarantee, it is going to be interesting to see how that team and really every other team handles playing – either as the Astros or handles playing the Astros, because there's not going to be the fan bases out there booing and yelling like we thought. That's totally changed.
1: Yeah, a lot has changed, and a lot will change uh, with baseball. So let's uh, get into it. I think you guys are going to dig this one. Lance McCullers, Jr. Yo, Lance,
0: what's up, brother?
1: Yo, what's going on? How you
2: doing?
0: Are we doing video?
2: Yeah, yeah. You if you want to we can see each other. Uh,
0: oh, is it not audio on the actual thing though? Yeah, it's just going
2: to be an audio podcast.
1: It's just so yeah, we it's don't just audio talk audio. on each other.
2: There he is, man. There he is. What's
1: so, up, dude? I like this. Is this the first time you've done a podcast while you're getting inked up? This is the first time.
2: Oh, you're getting <laughs> inked up right now? Yeah, look at his oh, arm, dude. That's perfect. I saw it. I
0: didn't know what was going on, but that's perfect. All right. I just don't. I'm just afraid you're going to hear the buzzing now.
2: <laughs> no, nah, we can't really, we can't really hear. So you're uh so Lance, you are, first of all, thanks for joining us today. We're really excited that's to have great. you. And, uh, you exactly. and I have talked before about, and I've had you on the radio, but we've also had communication on social media during like Conor McGregor fights. I remember the first time was McGregor yeah. Diaz. And yeah. that's whenever I found out that you were a big MMA guy. And then I was, I, th- I was stoked to find out that you and, and Carlos Correa, like y'all took your, I didn't know Carlos was a big MMA guy. Y'all started your own mma podcast
0: yeah man we- so we um we've been massive mma fans and really just combat sports in general so i um i grew up a boxing fan there was actually a heavyweight boxer who lived in my neighborhood growing up um nothing big i think he had like six or seven pro fights in total um but just being around the sport and being around him a lot i grew up with an appreciation of it and uh, kind of um, unofficial training with him all the time. So, uh, I grew up a, a huge combat sports fan and boxing fan. And then in the mid two thousands, you know, Chuck Liddell started popping off and, um, and kind of started becoming more, more, more mainstream when I was in middle school. And that's when I started paying attention to it. Um, and that's when I kind of fell in love with the sport of, of MMA and UFC. Um, so Carlos and I, we, when we met, when we got drafted by the Astros, that was an immediate, um, you know, common ground for us and something we bonded over. So that's kind of why we decided to start this podcast. We've been do we've been talking about it forever, but, um, we, we finally had the time, you know, to, to make it happen.
1: Did you ever, did you ever do any combat sports? Did you ever box or do any MMA or wrestle or? Well, I never or
0: did. I never did. Um, you know, I, I always wanted to, but, uh, it was hard enough to get my mom to let me play football growing up. Then it would have been <laughs> Let me uh, compete. Um, you know, I, I did. I did. You know, I, I did kind of train growing up, but um, it was no, it was nothing to where it was. You know, tournament style or, or exhibition matches. Um, you know, baseball, basketball, and football uh, dominated the uh, dominated the time uh, when I was growing up.
2: So let me ask you this: staying on MMA for a second, you talk about Iceman Liddell. I went to the Liddell Couture fight in Vegas. Hey, cool. And it was, it was insane. I mean, Couture beat Liddell, and we were all yeah. kind of shocked. Um, I got to go to a, a fight. My first fight live was after 9-11. It was before it got really, really big. It was an 0-1. I was there for Brock Lesnar's first fight against Frank Mir. Oh, cool. And to this day, my dad coached on a Super Bowl-winning team. Like, he was Pittsburgh Steeler coach. They were in Tampa. They beat Arizona on this last-second incredible play by San Antonio. Oh, that
0: was, um That was Tampa, Florida.
2: Yeah, so that was in the hometown. Yeah, you would have, you would have been there at that time. Well, it was two thousand eight yeah. or two thousand nine, maybe. So here's my thing: I was at a Super Bowl. I was at University. Uh, I was at University of Texas versus USC, the huge national championship game in 06. Two incredible, incredible venues and events, and yet a big time championship fight. I don't know if there's a better energy. I've been in, in a World Series game. Well, you guys. In a yeah. World Series against the Dodgers game four, I, I've been at Super Bowls. I don't think there's been ever – ever that I've ever experienced anything like a big-time championship fight in, in, in MMA where you're in the building. I haven't been to one for boxing. I would assume it's very similar.
0: Yeah, so I, I've been to a, a couple of UFC events. Um, the 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 best one that I've been to was probably UFC 205. It was in New York, so it was – it was the first UFC fight in like the city of New York when their um, when their like legislation finally um, made it legal uh, for UFC fights to to happen, and uh, that was when Conor McGregor fought Eddie Alvarez uh, for the for t- for him to be the double the, the double champ and to hold two belts at one time in the UFC, which hadn't been done up to that point. It's been done a couple of times now. You know uh, uh, Cormier and now Triple C and. Uh, um, Amanda, as well, she has it, but it was the first time it ever was done, and it was the first event held in New York. Um, and it was just absolutely insane. And then Carlos and I went to USC 244 in November, and we sat second row, like from the cage. Like, we were like the row in front of us was President Trump because he went to that fight. Um, and then we sat behind him, like right to the right, and we were in. The corner. So we were in Masvidal's corner for that BMF title fight. Um, so just like you said, you're absolutely right, man. There's really not a whole lot of other atmospheres that can compare to an, a, a big UFC event.
1: I guess as an athlete, like y- y- you've got such respect, I-, I assume for, for other athletes and whatever sport that is, but you know, I am best friends with a dude who is a like trains jujitsu has for several years under a guy named crone gracie who's just getting into the uh into the fighting world Mm -hmm. right now and and, and watching watching him and learning so he we shot a movie together out in bulgaria and he said dude it was him and another actor both black belts in in jits and they said come we found this little you know box and whatever they call it and let's come with us and roll now i was like dude I, (laughs) I, i i wrestled Uh, Mm -hmm. in middle school. But I was like, that's as far as my, you know, as it went for me. So we walk into this place in Bulgaria and these guys are freaking out because you're two actors, both train under Krone Gracie, like both black belts. They want to, they want to tap them out. So I, I get one little Bulgarian dude who comes at me. He in within five seconds, he puts my ankle in a position that it has never been in. I tapped that mat so hard. I'm like, bro. I've never ro- like. I don't roll. Don't roll me. Right, yeah. Roll but I wonder. The, but I, wonder the, I wonder
0: if he. I wonder if he tried the, uh, the Tony Ferguson ankle pick on you. <laughs>
1: the little backward spin. Watching those guys and learning about jujitsu through him. I mean, it's a chess match, and it's in watching how mental it is from yeah. a, just an athletic point of view. Um, I was blown away with it. Like I, 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 I. It's like one of my regrets is not. Learning and training jujitsu earlier, and I want to get my sons into it now because they're you know seven and five and active, and they already beat the shit out of each other. So I might as well teach them how to like do it.
0: Yeah, I um, you're right, man. I've rolled a couple of times with not even like black belts. I'm talking like uh like two stripe white belts, and um, it's pretty crazy. And the thing that is the most exciting about it is how fast you have to think and how quickly you have to be able to um like react to things so there's not there's this probably the quickest um like think like 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 process to put into action um sports like movement you could do uh so i it, i know what you're talking about because it, it's it's a really amazing unique experience when when you get to roll with someone especially guys that know what they're doing
2: well you have to go offensive to defensive. In a split second. And you have to be working. them. Actually, they have to work parallel, which I don't know if there's another sport. I was thinking about that, where sometimes offensive linemen trying to pass, protect against a pass rusher can be offensive versus defensive. Yeah. But it's very rare. Like, this is – that's a transition. In jujitsu you have to go, and really not even jiu-jitsu, just all of MMA, it has to be living parallel because you have to be ready to go defensive even when you're on the offense, and you have to be ready to take advantage of an offensive opportunity even when you're in a defensive position in jiu-jitsu.
0: Yeah, something that Carlos and I talk on the podcast a lot about is we like to, Carlos likes to talk about the different levels of MMA and the different like levels of of people and um, like, like the tiers of the fighters, and so... I rewatched um, McGregor versus Khabib again yesterday, and um, you could kind of understand what we're talking about. So if you've seen that fight, maybe you saw it one time. If you go back and watch the fight um, in the in the third round and in the fourth round before Connor ultimately taps um, and in the second a little bit, you know, he had a lot of opportunities on the feet. For some reason, Khabib wanted to maybe prove to Connor or prove to the world that uh, he could stand on, the, on his feet with this guy. But the problem with Conor is, and 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 MMA exposes exposes you. You know, if you're a boxer and maybe you don't have the best defense, or if you don't have the best jab, or you don't have the most power, you can kind of uh, still win a lot of fights and be great. But and 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 MMA, and especially the UFC, when you're at the top level, if you're fighting anybody and you have a weakness, they're going to expose it. So obviously, Khabib is a world class grappler. Uh, he's a he's a he's a sambo world champion he's a um, wrestling world champion so the whole time connor's fighting khabib he's always looking down at the feet he's always waiting for him to shoot he's always waiting for the takedown which connor off his game and so three rounds in a row where connor usually would be picking guys apart on on, on counter shots or being able to, to use his movement in different angles to create shots he spent three rounds worrying about the takedown and not worrying about winning the fight and was throwing all of his combos and all of his um his counters and 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 everything half ass because he was always worried he's gonna get taken down. Mm-hmm. when you're talking about offensive and defense and and, and and kind of working together, um, you know, when you have MMA, it's it's so pure because like you will get exposed if um like if you're not like the best. So that's another reason I, I love the UFC so much in MMA because it's it's so raw. There's once you get in that cage man and you and you lock it, Like you're, 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 you you have to be like on your shit at all times or or it's going, you're, you're going night, night.
1: Just transitioning into baseball. um, You know, you're in game seven. It's the bottom of the first. You got the bases juiced with two outs and, and you're the only one on the Hill with the ball. So, I mean, that's not very much different. I mean, you make a mistake. You're down 4-0. And in a hurry. Yeah. So, so, I mean, how, how, just watching those guys, I mean, transitioning here into baseball, I mean, that's gotta be a mentality that, that, you know, damn well, and you're real comfortable with.
0: Yeah. Well, like, you know, like I was saying in in baseball, even when you're in those tough spots, you can step off the mound, you can breathe, you Mm -hmm. can think through your plan. You can, you know, be more, you can try to calm yourself down or whatever, you know, when you're in an MMA fight, or uh, UFC fight, and you take a take a stiff jab to the chin, and maybe mm-hmm. you're maybe you're you're walking into it, or you're walking back, and you and you hit a jab, and and it puts your lights out for a second, and then you wake up, and you're on the ground, and a guy is mauling you on top. I mean, there's no you have no room for error, you have no room right. for uh, thought. So, th- th- like I said, it's just so pure, and it's so like, I mean, rarely do you see a guy. Like win an like win a fight when they walk into the cage, they're not the best fighter, which right. is also great. You can watch a pitcher throw seven innings and he's getting missiles hit all over the park, or he gets a triple, you know, he gets a, a couple amazing double plays or a couple calls from the umpire, and maybe he puts together a pretty solid game. Whereas if you go into the cage and you're fighting someone better than you, or adequate or equal with you, you have to be on your toes at all time. Tony Ferguson fights Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje walks in the cage. It fights his best fight of his life. Tony Ferguson walks in the cage, fights terrible, and he ends up in the hospital for a week. You know what I mean? So um, it's just different levels of like uh, – Different stakes. Different stakes that are on the line.
2: Yeah. So that was the first live sporting event, uh, UFC 249. You talk about Gaethje versus Ferguson, and Gaethje was – boy, Gaethje could end up being a great fight. But um, 249 was the first live sporting event. So we got to see, all right, what's the process? And Jacare Souza tested positive for coronavirus. Two people in his yeah. corner did. They took them out. But we got to see what the process might look like, not just how a live sporting event would take place, but what would happen if someone tested positive. When you were watching that, were you translating that in your baseball mind to think, all right, what, what does this look like for us? Did it make you feel safer in terms of returning to baseball, or what did it do for you personally on that level?
0: Um, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I think it's 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 very different. I mean, the, the MMA, you know, you have a small team uh, of guys, maybe that you've been um, quarantining with to all together. You go to the hotel, you're you're together at the hotel, you're together at training, you eat all together, and then um, you know you continue to train with that small group of people. It's not really being, um, you know, altered by the outside world. You play baseball, and it's a whole season. It's not it's not a weekend, so. You're, you know, you're going home, you're, you have to eat, so you're going to restaurants, you're flying on planes, you're traveling, other teammates, where have they been? Who knows? Where have the other team, where's the other team been? Where have the umpires been? Um, but I think the testing is what makes you feel safer. Uh, you know, UFC did a really good job with testing and keeping people that didn't need to be together um, away from each other. And it, it gave them an opportunity, like you said, when Sousa did get uh, caught up with it, um, it didn't spread. So it um, at least gives you hope and makes you feel like, yeah, there's definitely a way to do this. Um, you know, we still as much as we have to keep in, in, in the front of our minds as, as baseball players and playing a season, we have to keep in mind staying healthy from coronavirus. Right. But you also have to keep in mind, like the quality of the of the the quality of player putting out there for people to watch. You have to keep in mind your um, health as far as your playing health. What what good does it do to to play a quick season and and to blow out or to have a crap season and have to um you know r- you know risk your or or argue your future earnings off of um this type of, of season. So you, we have to it, the 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 quality of content we're putting out for the fans of baseball and the ability to stay healthy as far as like actually like healthy to play and be healthy in a way from coronavirus have to kind of all mesh in, in, in our world.
2: But you're also in a unique position in that you just mentioned something that applies specifically to you. You're a guy who missed 2018, um, with, mm-hmm. or 2019 rather yeah. with a season ending injury, you have had season ending injuries since you've come in, you've gotten your, you hoped that you have your arm figured out. You had a surgery. And so now you're in a position where you understand what it's like to, you got to have your arm a certain kind of way. Now, if you guys get started back up, you're gonna have probably half your season. Um at, at, at most, half of your season. Does that benefit you or does that hurt you? Because you are in a different position in terms of coming back. But then again, you've got to be chomping at the bit because you haven't been able to pitch for so long.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. A lot a lot of those things are out of my control. You know, I, I just gotta hope that I've been having the same elbow problem for since 2016. It's it's cost me to miss. Uh, A lot of games Uh, looking back on it, I probably should have just gotten surgery in 2016 and just got it over with. Um, But uh, I've cost myself a lot of DL days and and a lot of money because I I didn't want to miss time or I didn't want to have the surgery yet. So, you know, you can't, you can't change the past. I can't predict the future. I I can't, you know, I can just keep myself in the present and I'm still training really hard and um, my arm is in a great spot. My mind's in a great spot. I'm physically, um, by a long shot, the best shape I've ever been. And that doesn't mean anything other than the fact that I've had a lot of time to work out um, with a time off. But, um, you know, if it's 20, I'll, I'll play 20 games, you know, I'll pitch three times, you know, I'll, I'll play a hundred games, you know, I'll, I'll, if I have to run out there 30 times, I'll run it. It doesn't matter to me. I, I just want to get back out there and and, and play. I feel like um, I've always been able to show like spurts of, of my full capabilities and talents, but because of the elbow, <laughs> and the problems it's caused me and the rest of my body. I've never been able to do it over a, a long period of time. And, um, you know, I only have a year and a half away from free agency. So I, I, I want to get back out there for multiple reasons. Um, but you're you're right. I'm chomping at the bit. But um, at, at this point, I guess I'm good at waiting.
1: Have you guys, have you heard any scenario that makes you feel like, Okay, that's a good scenario. Like I can that mer that, that mixes safety and you know I feel like we can put a comp, a good product out there and it can yeah. be competitive. I mean, have you read any of the scenarios that you say that would work?
0: No, um, <laughs> there, you know I I don't I feel like it's a, it's always a lose lose for players to speak out on this because people don't understand. Um, You know, even if we have a season, you know, you're asking players to do something that. Um, I don't think a lot of people would sign up for. You know, you're asking players to take all the risk financially and health-wise. You're asking uh, players to um, possibly leave their families for months on end. You're asking players with uh, asthma. You're asking players with uh, autoimmune diseases. You're asking players with family members to live in their house that are old, older. And, um, you're asking players to do things so far. Baseball, we're, we're, we're such creatures of habit we have a way of doing things in in this sport and that's going to be a lot of that will be taken away. So the players assume all the risk. Um, Mm. And we've already agreed to a 50% or I'm sorry, to a reduction in salary based off the games we play. So people are, are painting us as players in a bad light. Um, When we're the ones that are willing to play, we're the ones willing to take the pay cut. We've already said we would, Um, you know, we just don't want to take a pay cut off of the, money we've already said we'll take a pay cut for, you know? Um you Yeah, know, and so I don't think people understand that, you know, Tom Glavin had something today that he says if, if players don't play, it's going to be a bad look on them no matter what. It's like, why the fuck would you say that? It's, it's like, you know, you're at home with your $200 million. You know, Alex right. Rodriguez, you're at home with a billionaire wife and your $500 million. You know, you shouldn't be – not every baseball player is a millionaire. Not every guy has – multi-millions of dollars, you have guys in this game who are in their first or second year that signed for $10,000. And that after taxes and agency fees and this life expenditures, maybe they have a you know a couple hundred grand in their bank account, which is nothing to sneeze at. And that's and, and, and very grateful. And I'm very grateful for the position I'm in and the financial security I have. But um, for people to speak on other people and, and say what they should do or they shouldn't do, I think is, is, is irresponsible. And I think people need to have, um, you know, a little bit more sympathy and, and, and understand the scope of the situation.
1: Yeah. I, I think, listen, as some as an actor who, you know, I feel that people look at us and they just make the assumptions, right. They, they look and they say, well, you're on TV. That means you're famous, which means you make a ton of money. Right. Um, you know, uh, you, you must make this much money. You know, I mean, I've Googled, you know what it says. My net worth is on the internet, and I fucking <laughs> wish that was my net worth. You know, I don't know, I don't know where they got that number, but I either need to call my bank or call the guy that wrote it.
0: That money's in the that, that money's in the and uh, your taxes. People don't understand that
1: either. Uh, yeah, or agency fees and manager fees and, and, and lawyer and publicist. So I wish just, I wish
0: people could understand that. Um, you know, people. So this is something I use a lot. It's like if you make a million dollars a year. You know, but you have to, by the time taxes, agency fees, manager fees, li- life expenditure. I'm not talking like driving Bugattis and Lambos, bro. I'm talking sure. just like the life this costs, flying your family places so you can be with them. Um, that's 80, that's 40 flights a year, bro. Woo. That ain't deep. Um, You know, getting hotel rooms, getting rental cars so you can drive somewhere and get mm-hmm. food. Ordering mm-hmm. food in on the road. At room service because you have no other option. I mean, bro, if you have, if you make a million dollars a year, but you're burning off seven fifty, you know. But you yeah. but you make a hundred grand a year, but you're only burning off thirty. I mean,
1: yeah, who, who, yeah. Who I the, mean it. You know Yeah, of course. I mean, it works out. I know just before expenditures, you know, as actors, once we pay, you know, taxes and commissions to our our managers, agents, lawyers, publicists, you make about, you know, close to 38 cents a dollar. So it's, you know, really? Yeah, it's yeah, man. Don't
0: don't get paid in L.A., New York, Boston. Bro, you're you're bringing in 30 percent of your money.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you do have to protect yourself and, and I'm glad that the players are doing what they're doing. I'm glad that, you know, and I, I I'm really glad to hear your thought on it. um, Because it's, it's, it, I think it's easy with social media. It's easy for people to make assumptions and feel like everybody's coming down on you, but, right. but it, truth be known, it's like, you understand it. I understand it. Lance understands it. he's in the industry as well, but you know, it just, it's a blue collar game. and And just cause I'm on a, just cause I'm on a show with a guy who makes $400,000 an episode, you know, there's guys on the show that are making, you know, not a 10% of that, 5% yeah. of that. So same as your team. Uh, so I, feel uh, I just
0: wish people, you know, um, we, we love the fans of baseball. I'm not saying it's the fans. It's, it's a lot of these large, um, you know, media networks, ESPN, you know, all these, all these people, you know, uh, the Jeff Passans of the world who, um, will do anything for some retweets on Twitter. um, it's just, it's just disappointing to me when I hear other people that don't know about situations speak on situations. I would never sit here and, and and speak on what someone should or shouldn't do with their life. Only people that I got responsibility for is me, my wife, and my daughter and my yeah. three dogs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I got to make the best decision for them. Like, I, You tell me I got to maybe have a chance to get coronavirus and I got my five-month-old daughter in the house. I should play or it's a bad look on me. Like, come on, man. I think people should just all worry about themselves a little bit more. But you mentioned
2: Tom Glavin, Frank White, A-Rod, Mark Teixeira. Those are the four I've seen. That's got really to really right. push off because they were in the midst of so many player strikes and player stoppages and work stoppages. Yeah. And then it just seems unusual for that many. I'm not trying to take a side. I'm just trying to say this is kind of strange coming from these dudes who have also benefited from the same system that's in place.
0: Like I said, man, I, I think sometimes you know people just want to be heard in, in this day and age, I think it's um it's just part of what we do. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of fake boys on the internet that have unlimited access and limited reach. Um and it, it is just the landscape that we're living in. I, I just would never think to say if the people don't come to work at the restaurant I want to eat, like shame on them. Like that that's not my place to sit here and say um, especially when the, the people you're mentioning, talking about are sitting, you know, in their, in their, you know, in their, uh, in their Hamptons houses.
1: It's like my five-year-old told me the other day when I told him to clean his room, he said, dad, stay in your lane.
2: <laughs> 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 this is my lane.
1: We had a chat about whose lane it really was. Um, yeah dude how about um take us back just a little bit you're from florida uh mm-hmm. i just spent six months of last year in florida uh doing a show and uh it's a it, dude it's a crazy place man i had a, a <laughs> lot of fun Wait, where, I don't, you in florida uh, so i was in orlando it's just a different mentality down there man and and not one that i'm not to, you know, wasn't totally foreign growing up in Texas. So it was good to get back into humidity and, and the, uh, and it's good to get back in the
2: humidity. Into humidity? Oh, okay, cool.
1: Yeah, it that was dude. fucking cool. Eric. Cause I'd love to I, get out of humidity. I guess I know that it's, it was temporary. So I was okay with it. <laughs> um, but you, you grew up in Florida, you came out, you were, you know, you, listen, man, you were a big fish Gatorade player of the year. You go to the minors at, at what point in, in your career, did you get to a stage and maybe you're not even there yet, but did you get to stage and you were like, Oh, these guys are ballers. Like there's guys with me that can really play. Maybe I'm not the best, best arm on this team.
0: Yeah. Uh, it happened pretty quick actually for me, man. It happened. Um, you know, I think the first year I got drafted in 2012, uh, I went to the GCL and, um, it would, it was more, I hadn't pitched in a couple months my high school season had been over. So that really wasn't like a very high like competition time for me. So I was never sitting there kind of analyzing things like that. It happened for me my first year in 2013. I'm with the low A. and the first game I ever saw Vince Velasquez pitch. He's with the Phillies now. Yeah. He first time deal, I ever saw that game. man. First time Woo. I ever saw pitch in low a, I was like, "Holy shit! Mm-hmm. This guy's throwing 97 down away, up away, down and in, up and in." breaking balls for strikes change up in the zone I'm in the stands and I'm like I can throw a fastball somewhere over the plate and I can throw a pretty good breaking ball I'm like but I don't know if I you know exactly match up with this guy and um, luckily for me Vince is like the the greatest guy in the world and and um, we became really good friends and I never had those you hear a lot of stories about the minor leagues and people like count you know kind of like dogging on each other and not wanting people to succeed. And maybe I just got lucky, man. And I got with a bunch of really good guys who um, just had good hearts, but everyone was kind of always pulling for each other, which was really cool. Um, even in the minor leagues, we won a couple championships in the minor leagues. My first year we won in the Midwest league. My second year we won in the, the California league. So, um, but that first game, man, that first game we were in, um, crazy. we were in King County. I think Kane County, Illinois, outside Chicago, it was like in the low thirties, uh, upper twenties, and uh, me and Vince Velasquez pitched the first two games. And I, when I watched him pitch, I said, "Man, I, I think I am, I'm here. You know, I'm in pro ball."
2: That's a live, wow. live ass arm, though. Um, you know, you talk about. I don't want to. I just want to stay in Orlando just for a second. I want to go back there because I don't. Either- well, no, I don't want to live there. I want to take you back to Tracy McGrady. I want to take you back yeah, to the Magic I'm a basketball player cool. of all time. Because you're a you're a huge McGrady guy. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't know you're a big basketball fan. Now, I, you sent me the video of you dunking, and yeah, I showed so it to weird. somebody, yeah. and everyone tried to no, that's not ten feet, that's not Lance I mean, McCullers.
0: It was, the, it was at the you know the the Lifetime Fitness, so whatever they put their baskets at. <laughs> but you, you got it. You don't.
2: And I wanted to, I want to let you talk for a second about uh, coming up. Was that your sport? Was uh, yeah. was basketball your sport?
0: That's all my favorite sport um, by a good stretch. Actually. Uh, we you know, always had the hoop above the garage or the hoop in the driveway. Um, my grandfather um, loves basketball and um, I have two younger brothers than me. They're 20 months younger. They're twins. So yeah, we we're always playing two v ones, knockout twenty one, you know, um, whatever the case may be. And my grandpa loves basketball, so he's always teaching us, you know, how to shoot. We're, you know, we, he had us dribbling with both hands by the time we were six, seven years old. You know, do, doing the whole thing. Um, you know, learning how to bounce pass, and 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 uh, he's old school. You know, he likes uh, he 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 likes um, all, all the old school stuff, but man, I just loved basketball growing up and I played all the way through my freshman year of high school. And then I understood, you know, I understood I wanted to be a professional athlete when I grew up and I knew that baseball was, um, was my best opportunity. I mean, I have great love for the game of baseball, of course, but, uh, you know, if, if I was like six, five, I I'd definitely probably be bouncing around somewhere, trying to, trying to, trying to do it in, in, in basketball. Cause I love it that much. Those you-
1: contracts aren't bad either in basketball. I
0: get hoop from the time I get hoop from six a.m. to twelve p.m. till they turn the park lights off. Right, I, like a.m. twelve a.m. Like it, it wouldn't matter. I, I, I can, I've never played enough basketball in one day where I'm like I can't play anymore. Still I, to this day. Still this day. I mean I don't play much anymore. I just can't. Um, yeah. I work at, I work out. I used to work out at this place in Houston for all this stuff. It's called Next Level Fitness. Um, and it's on. It doesn't matter where it's at. It's on Business Street. And uh, they have a little half court in there, so I would show up like two hours before my scheduled workout with my training people that I Facetime. I just go in there and just shoot for two hours, bro. Just block to block, free throws, go around the three point line. You know, just by myself, just uh, just just having fun.
2: Were you off the bounce guy, or were you a spot up shooter? Like, what what was your what was your style when you played?
0: No, my style was, 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 was steam ahead, baby. <laughs> <Full> steam ahead. <laughs> First step uh, and go. I didn't really understand like how to, like the art of shooting when I was younger. I mean, it's, it's so easy. I'm not gonna say easy. It's much um, more prevalent now for these like amazing shooting coaches to be on the internet and like explaining like how to shoot. Um, back when I was growing up, like you just got the ball and just shot it, you know? And, and if you were good, you were good. If you weren't, you weren't. And, yeah, I played the number three a lot, um, kind of like that. That we that that, that mid range guy I was able to go to the hole. I was creative around the hole. I was athletic, even against the big guys. So um, I've gotten better as a shooter as I've gotten older. But when I played, man, it was like it was just like a it was like a steam truck coming downhill, shoulder to the chest, try to. Fa- try to bump up to the backboard and, and, and go to the line.
2: Dude, you've got that mentality at times as a pitcher, too. Now, you'll throw a lot of hooks. You've got the big curveball. We know about the 170 straight curveballs against the Yankees that you had. But um, you're also the guy – you're one of the few guys I've seen that will get shitty with somebody if they need to get be gotten shitty with on the other team. If somebody wants to take liberties with your squad – now, you've said that you've just lost control of some pitches that have gotten away from you.
0: I get sweaty and men in may Park sometimes, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's,
2: it's 71, but no humidity, but it's not <laughs> as sweaty, but still. I just know this, when there has been a little ruckus to be had, you're not afraid to get into that ruckus a little bit.
0: Yeah, um, uh I, I got to be careful what I say, but uh I just that's kind of how I grew up. You know, my dad um my dad was very much um like that. Uh, you know, it was, I grew up as a, as an older brother. Uh, I've always kind of been, uh, you know, my, my little brother's kind of protectors. And um, I've, all, I've never been afraid to kind of go toe to toe with, with, with anything or, or anyone. And that's just kind of my personality. Um, I don't have a problem. Even, even if I think it's going to turn out bad for me, I'll still, I'll still let them fly and we'll see what happens. Uh, so. <laughs> You know that's just that's just kind of who I am. I if if you're on my team, you know, I don't care if you've been on our team for 0.1 seconds, um you're my brother. You know, if you wear the same uniform as me, same colors, you know, you're my brother and uh you know, I would I would do the same for you as I would do for my for my for my real family. So, uh I'm I'm never afraid to to stand up for for what I think is right. Maybe it's not always right, but uh at least in the moment I think it is.
1: Dude, that, that edge is, you know, I think you have to have, you know, I mean, you got to have that edge when you're in a, a, a position that's as competitive as yours is, you've got to believe in that. You got to have that edge. I I think personally, um, it sure seemed like you guys did in 17, um, was the, te- did the team like each other and get along as much as we as fans uh-huh. and, and watched them? Yeah. Oh, I mean, man. it looked like y'all were having a fucking blast, man.
0: Oh, man. Like I said, bro, we're just like down the line. We're just, we're just got a great team. And, you know, we had a lot of great veterans. Um, When I first, you know, uh, you know, Dallas Keuchel is, 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 is not a real flashy guy on social media. He mm-hmm. doesn't say a whole lot. He's kind of a man of few words. Um, and in, in, in the media, that that is. Um, but, dude, you talk about, like, the salt-of-the-earth guy, guy from Oklahoma, guy who cares for the guy next to him. Um, you talk about Colin McHugh, someone who'd give his last dollar and the shirt off his back to anyone walking around that needed it. Um, you know, we just – Brian McCann, I mean, just, like, the, the best person you could ever put in any locker room. I just think that we had a lot of guys who showed the young guys uh, how to care for one another, even in a competitive environment and understood mm-hmm. that, like, you know, when we're at the field, like, um, and, and it, you know, like, Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole show, showed this really well. Both of these guys turned August last year. They're both the number one, number two for the Cy Young. Ain't no one else close.
1: Mm-hmm. And these
0: guys are pulling for each other, like, like really, like, from the heart. Like, they watch film together. They break down hitters. They talk about mechanics. Like, they're, they're pulling for each other. Like we have team dinners almost on every single road trip. Um, Dallas Kyle goes over to the White Sox and takes everybody out in the entire organization to dinner. I think the bill was like 30 grand. Like, you know, we just had guys who, when I was coming up, just, um, push that side of it, you know, the brotherhood side and, and then taking care of, of, of the guy next to you. So that just trickles down. Um, and, and we are really all close.
2: Does, does what's happened since then in the 17 and everything that's taken place, has this brought you guys even? I don't know if it's possible because uh, it was seventeen or three years ago, but has it brought you closer together? Or I know you're apart because of coronavirus right now, at least to an extent. Um, do you feel like there's a renewed sense of well, fuck these motherfuckers? I mean, you know what I mean. Do you have yeah. that kind of okay? Now we're going to see. Now is there something that's been reignited for the team at, at all?
0: You know, um, I don't know. I, I think I think if, I think it varies, guy to guy. Honestly, I think if you ask everybody on the team, that same question, I think you're going to get probably 25 different really? answers for me. I've, I've really tried to let go of the, um, of the social stuff of the, of the media. And this is, this was probably right around the time I got injured. So this is back in 2018. Um, You know, no one knew the severity of my injury. No one understood why I was pitching out of the bullpen. There was a lot of kind of weird articles being written about me and, and, and people on the broadcast saying stuff. So I've just kind of learned I, just to get rid of, just to let all that stuff go. I have so much motivation, you know, just with my daughter now and, and just trying to really show. Because, you know, I only have a year and a half left in Houston on a contract. You know, I want to I stay here forever. Um, but as far as, like, what I have on a contract, I have this season if we play in next season. So, like, my greatest motivation is just, like, actually putting a season together in an Astros uniform that I know I'm capable of. You know, because that would be a you know, if I you know move on from the Astros eventually, and I start you know doing my thing somewhere else, I would always kind of be like, damn, I wish I could have done that you know when I was Astros on. So that's my ultimate motivation. Maybe for me coming back from the injury, it's different, but um, yeah, I know a lot of the guys um, you know, w- want everyone to know kind of uh, you know, kind of where kind of where we stand and, and who we are. You know, the, you don't gotta you know talk around it. Twenty seventeen, you know, we had the the whole trash can thing going. We think other teams. Um, unequivocally we're, we're, we're doing things just as we were. Um, we just, you know, we just got told on <laughs> That's just,
2: it's you know, that. Simple.
0: I mean, and you live and you learn and you, 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 you start looking at things at a different scope and hope in the future you make better decisions. Um, but there was nothing going on in 2018 when we won a hundred plus games and went to the, to the ALCS. There's nothing going on in 2019 when we were six or seven outs away from a world series. Um, and that's just the facts. People are going to be able to say what they want to say. The um, MLB's investigation, I tell you firsthand, was—I mean, it was—it was intense, bro. It was—it was—it was, it was, it was th- thorough, and um, there was nothing to be found for those other two years. So, you know, people are going to be able to always have the trump card and be able to kind of say whatever they want now. So, hopefully, we have a season, and, and, and this year and next year, we, we can show them where we live.
1: Yeah, I mean, and even. Like you said, I mean, no 18, no 19, two incredible teams. I, I You know, listen, I'm biased. I'm a, I'm an Astro fan, and and I think that that 17 team wins no matter what. Um, they're the best team. I, I thought that the 17 team was the best team in the league, so it didn't matter. Really we
0: get matter. into it one. I mean, you know, the Yankees scored three runs at our home park in four games. They scored no runs in Game 7. They scored 19 runs at their home park. Um, you no, know, we win Game 2 on the road. In Dodger Stadium, Marwin hits that uh, homer off of Jansen. Uh, Correa and Altuve, I think, had big homers in extra innings. They did. Um, you know, we won Game Seven at their place. Um, all of our, you know, all of our, uh, as Carlos has said before, a lot of our big moments um, in that game uh, with Kershaw and others pitching came with with men on second base. Um, you know, using v- variety of signs. So, you know, listen. Like I said, it is what it is, I and mean, people are always going to be able to say X, Y, and Z. We're never going to be able to escape the fact that you know we we use technology that year to you know as an advantage. But um, there are a lot of moments in the in those postseasons, or a lot of moments during that year, um, that had nothing to do with any of that, especially in eighteen and nineteen. And people are going to be able to say what they want to say. That's fine, man. I, I've gotten to the point where I just don't give a fuck anymore. You know, we're yeah. just we're just ready to ride whenever that time comes.
1: Um, were the Nationals better?
0: They were better, man. They were better. Yep. You know, we, you know, they. We didn't win any games at home. Yep. <laughs> that postseason, I, I you know, it, we won all of our games on the road, and, and and they won all their games at our park. And
2: <laughs> that's credible. Will
0: Harris threw a really good pitch to a really good freaking player on uh, Hendrick. Howie, excuse me, um, uh, Howie Hendrick, Howie, Kendrick, Kendrick, yeah. Howie Kendrick has been around for a long time, and he just freaking hit uh, a a great ball that that went out of, you know, went out of minute made. And and that's what the whole series in a nutshell boiled down to. I mean, there's a lot of other things, you know, Juan Soto's big homers again, you know, in in those first couple games and then other games as well. Uh, You know, Rendon played very well that series, especially at our park had some big, had some big knocks. So they were, they just, they just beat us, man. And that's why a lot of guys on our team and me watching, I wasn't a part of it, um, you know, as far as playing, but I'm not super like, Hurt about it because they just beat us. It was just one yep. of those things where they just, they were better during the, they're the better season. team. They're the better team. So, um, you know, we just uh, hope to get to play and, and show that, that we're the better team next time. I
1: yeah, would interested from a player's point of view and somebody watching. I mean, I was at game seven uh, and, you know, even up to nothing. Uh, and what was it about the sixth? Maybe the, yeah. yeah. And Granky's just dealing. Um, but I, I turned to my dad and I said, this is, we're not winning this game. I can tell you right now we've left, we've left too many guys on base. I've read this book. I've, I've been to too many football games, too many basketball, like there's just too many opportunities lost and Renone and these guys, they're going to run into one. And, right. and it's just, it just seems like if you're watching it, I mean, do you feel the same way as a player or is there just as, you know, as a fan, we can do that as a player. Yeah. It's a little different. Like, you know, are you like, no, no, no. I mean, Greinke's dealing, we're going to actually, we don't lose. It's just not in our nature. We're winning this game.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up Grinky, man, because like talk about a guy who just sacked up <sighs> and, um, Timed. He was Just so freaking unbelievable! Freaking pissed the gym, and uh, you know, I don't know, man. You definitely want to take advantage with, with, when you have those opportunities with, with men on base. That's there's no doubt. You know, you want to, you know, uh, you want to be able to, you know, especially in a game seven, you have the chance to score four, five, six runs. You Want to do it, um, but don't forget, we're facing some bad dudes on um, the mm-hmm. other side. You know, the I mean you know uh, the the performances that that those pitchers had Strasburg and Scherzer and Scherzer grinding with, I think the neck issue and then their bullpen pitch. Well, I mean, man, it was just one of those things where um, I think it was just meant to be for them and and, and they ended up by pulling it off, but you're right. You know, as a player, you're definitely sitting there. You're like, damn, man, we wish we had had a a couple more runs here with the opportunities presented, but you know, it doesn't always happen that way.
2: One of the reasons I love you is because you don't, You're a guy that speaks your mind. You don't try to give cliches. You never have. You're one of my favorite guys I've had on the radio because you, A, can talk about a lot of different subjects, but, B, you you say what's real. One of the things that has pissed me off, I think the most, look, the trash can stuff happened. People have owned it. Um, you got to take the punishments that come with it. It is what it is, and I've I've accepted it. You've accepted it. You were a player and his fans. But what's really pissed me off is that there are guys who are making comments who I feel like, man, you got to be real careful with some of this holier than now shit that you're pumping right now. Because I feel like, I'm not sure Major League Baseball, sometimes it feels like they don't really want to dig too far da- down in there. I'm, I'm not sure if Mike Fire said anything, that Major League Baseball would have followed up anything on the Astros. I don't think any league wants to find stuff out about their league. But I just, I don't know if you get the same feeling as a, as a player but you mentioned it earlier. I feel like there are other teams. I've heard too many stories from people connected to players who say, look, this is a lot more prevalent than people realize.
0: Yeah. You know, like I said, man, we don't, we don't, we don't have a whole lot of uh, excuses. You know, there's not a whole lot of things you can say to, to justify it other than the fact that, um, you know, and it doesn't make it right. You know, that was that big saying when you're growing up, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. Uh, so your mom, and it probably tells you a thousand times uh, whenever something goes sideways, but, it definitely was an isolated incident, um, but it, it doesn't matter. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. Like we're the one, like we, you know, we're the ones that that got caught up, and it is what it is, you know. Uh, and we just got to try to move on from it. And I think people um, try to say that, oh, we didn't apologize or whatever. It's like no, we did. It's like you can decide to, you know, listen to us speak in, in that locker room during that first day of camp, or. You don't have to. You can go listen to a different clip or you don't think it fits your narrative, and that's fine. Um, I know I apologize. I stood up there for uh, 28 minutes and, and, and talked to reporters and, and answered all kind of questions under the sun um, about it. And uh, it was a difficult thing to do. Um, but like I said, I mean, we can't, like, the same thing I was saying about people saying, talking about me or about our season or what we should do, I, I can't really sit here and tell other people what, what they should do. I can just tell you I'm I'm moving past it. Yeah. Um, uh, I get tagged in 700, you know, <laughs> in the Astros, fuck the Astros, Astros are cheaters, Instagram things a day. And yeah. these dudes got who's blocked them and who hasn't blocked them. And it's like, I'm not going to block them. It's like, I just don't care anymore.
2: No, they want their badge. They want their block badge you know, anyway.
0: And, and maybe people are going to now listen to this and be like, oh, he doesn't care. It's not that I don't care. It's that I'm not going to live in the past, bro. Like, uh, I'm you know, People like to, you know, we have, we've dated time as the human species and we put dates on shit. So people think that like, oh, 2017 was not that long ago, but it's like this, this world ain't got no dates. Is this like this time we live in has no dates. Like the things that happened to me 20 minutes ago were as just as distant as things that happened. If you know, when the dinosaurs got wiped out, if that's even true, it's like, I'm not going to continue to live in something three or four years ago when I got more important shit to accomplish and, and to move on to with my life.
1: So r- that's really interesting because I feel like, okay, have you watched the last dance? No, as a basketball, but okay. You haven't watched it yet. I, I, I figured
0: it consecutively.
1: So one thing that Jordan, they <laughs> yeah. talk about that was, by the way, when you do it,
2: we've got some Blackland bourbon for you as well. Oh yeah. That we're we're going to send you um, bourbon for that. That the whole bottle will be gone, probably. <laughs> you get
1: well. Jordan's sitting there with his eyes bloodshot, with a cigar and bourbon. So you might as well sit there and do the same thing while Looks you watch. Same, to. yeah, yeah. Um, one thing he talks about, and, and other players talk about him, is just how much he stays in the moment. Right? He's just in the moment. He's not looking ahead. He's not looking behind. He's in the moment. In the moment, and that separated him. But at the same time, you hear him talk over and over again about this guy disrespected me. I will make it my fucking mission to go after this guy. You know, whether it was Gary Payton, whether it was, you know, Scott Burrell, all these guys. Well, Scott Barrell was on his team. But (laughs) so you kind of have to balance, right? That that staying in the moment that you're talking about right now. Certainly you on the mound, you can't, you know, look back. But at the same time, you know, next time you face Bellinger. Do the comments that he made? Do those? Do those creep in? And you say, I'm a, "I might, I might find a little extra gas in the was, tank." He's from Florida, of course they creep in. He already told you
2: he'll he'll throw he'll, he'll throw him from the heels, bro. Uh, you know, I don't
1: know. <laughs> I don't know how to answer. I,
0: I'm that. not trying.
1: I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I'm really no,
0: not. Seriously, you know, like you said, I mean, you, you do the best you can. You try to leave the past in the past. to try, try to leave the the unknown um, you know, unknown and you, you try to do the best you can. Motivation's real at that, at that point in time. But yeah, motivation's real. And yeah. I think, you know, when we're going into those games or going into those maybe series and not saying, Oh, Oh, we're going to win or whatever. Cause like X, Y, and Z happen, but like, yeah, maybe you come in with like a little extra chip on your shoulder is what I'll call it, you know, yeah. and maybe, maybe, you know, that, that series, you, I don't know, you do an extra couple hours of film work, or maybe you're, you know, you're, you're, you're running, uh, you know, you're preparing a little bit harder, not that you don't do it on the regular, but it's like, you know, you want to you want to make sure that, um, you know, you show up and, you know, you want to make sure you don't get got. So, um, yeah, Jordan, um, I, you know, similar to Kobe, um, I think it's, it's it's the mindset, it's the killer mindset um, that sets them apart. And it's it's funny how some people are allowed to have that mindset when others are not. You know, some people can have that mindset and they're the goat for that mindset. But other people have that mindset and they're, they're an asshole or whatever the case may be. So, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not gonna, I'm I, I, like, I, like I've been saying, I'm not going to try to, to project myself in the, in, in, into the unknown. Um, but I'm definitely training very hard. I want to ask
2: you if, if you could, and you can include your own teammates or anybody you've ever faced. If there's one guy, they step into the box and you're like, mm-hmm. shit, this, I, you got to get one guy out. <clears throat> you only get one. Who's the guy that you least like to face? It could be somebody on your team. It could be somebody you face faced that you've had trouble with. Who's the one guy that if you're on your mound throwing your best and you've got that guy you may, and you're like, shit, this is going to be a war?
0: For me, it's, uh, it's actually Elvis Andrus of the Rangers. I don't know if you've seen not my out. numbers versus him, but uh, not great. Um, and uh, he's really tough on me. I don't know if he sees me well. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, maybe I'll try to toss him up there lefty next time I face him. Um, but uh, he's really he's really tough on me. And, and he's – last like three or four starts first the Rangers, he's almost responsible for like every single run that I've given up versus them. Oh, so, really? Yeah, I'm talking like in the first inning, he'll hit like a two-run homer. And like in the fourth or the fifth or the sixth, he'll have like an RBI single. You know, so he's he's, he's, he's been tough on me in my career.
2: Eric, what would you cast? Okay, so Lance has some Lance McCullers has some personality, obviously, right? He's got the little, he's got the the pretty boy looks and all that stuff. He's got a little edge to him. What kind of character? How how do you see him cast if you were doing one of your shows? Whether it's a a streaming show. Well, no, okay, well, who's playing him? A, but then also what kind of character, if you're gonna take him and put him in one of your movies or one of Mm -hmm. the TV shows or whatever, what kind of character? I'm versatile. All right. So, what kind of character? He said he's mm. versatile. Because Eric, right now you got—we've talked about this. You're doing a lot of, you know, you've been mission control like twice in a I'll row now in shows. Okay. You've so been sniper what's... guy. You've been on sniper sets and oh. Navy SEAL guy. Oh, oh yeah, shoot. I can
0: shoot.
1: Oh, you can shoot. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah, well, I, I don't think you'd have a problem playing a Navy SEAL uh, or any sort of recon marine, Navy SEAL combat, like any sort of combat veteran. I, I that 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 seems almost too easy though. What's All his right, character? You, Give me oh, his character. Okay, so you know where I, I immediately see him. Did you guys ever watch the Sean Ryan show called The Shield? Did you ever watch that show, With Michael Michael Chiklis? Chiklis? Yeah, Walton Gog- Goggins. Dude, just the cop who's in that elite group of like four dudes. And they're dirty, but they're still fighting the good fight. You know what I mean? They're still doing what they're supposed to be doing, but they're but they're blurring the lines. They got you know? edge. A, they got edge. They're blurring yeah. the lines there, right? They're blurring Fair. the lines there. Yeah. What, what do What's his backstory?
2: Is his character like? Is his backstory? Is he? Is he had a rough marriage, or is he had a uh, you know a bad kill had, or something had, like?
0: It's hard to judge me, bro. I haven't, had, I haven't had a haircut or a beard trim in like. I, dude, that's a, what.
2: I've got like ten characters I'm seeing right now, dude. I'll
1: tell you the exact backstory. You could throw Lance right into right now. Lethal Weapon. He's living in his trailer. He's got his dog. Mm-hmm. He's you know sleeping in the recliner. Uh, right. He's 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 uh, you know we could team you up with Danny Glover and you could just you could be in Lethal Weapon. Who's the his new, Danny? But who's his Danny Glover? Oh, his Danny Glover is who's his Danny Glover? Kind of the. Is it you Carlos? The They're ri- doing a podcast. No, They're doing the no. walkout is Carlos. Podcast. Stri- but is Carlos straight arrow enough? Like, is he a family man, straight arrow? Well, but like, Carlos this has got to be kind of nerdy.
2: Yeah, but Carlos Correa's kind of got some like some pretty boy stuff to him too. Like, he feels like he could play the straight man to the edgy cop of of uh you of know of Lance colors? For colors. Yeah, I think he could. They got a your, – your podcast sounds great, by the way. The walkout, I mean, the MMA podcast. Yeah, man, it's, it's awesome. A, I don't know. They've got that. They've got a little chemistry already, too.
1: I mean, you can name another Astro if you want. The Grizzled so Veteran? Able? I mean, if if uh, yeah, the Grizzled Veteran. Who's the Grizzled Veteran, white or black?
2: Yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't Who's matter. the Grizzled Veteran that we're going to put with them? I mean, like the easy Harris. Yeah. That's yeah. Not... yeah. Yeah, and where's Will he Harris from? is he man. kind of country? Where's he yeah, from?
0: Louisiana.
1: Perfect.
2: His backstory is from the swamps. That's an easy one.
1: McHugh yeah. too. McHugh seems oh, like a pretty
0: oh, well, would have been a good one. Yeah. Would it be a really good one?
1: Like Colin you and Colin like would be a great, nice, buddy, a great yeah, buddy. A great yeah, exactly. buddy That's
0: cop, buddy cop movie right there. Off. Yeah.
1: Lance and Colin, a great buddy cop movie right there.
2: And then I'm casting Mike fires as a bad guy, but you don't have to say anything. I've already got my yeah, idea yeah, of what happens to him in scene one. Let's just say there doesn't, we don't see him in scene two. Dude, Lance, um,
1: what what's gonna happen? You're you're a handshake guy. The Astros got a lot of handshakes. What's gonna happen here with social distancing? I, I mean,
0: someone tagged me in that video from 2017. I went like the whole team before a start. Yeah, I right. Did a big what you- line? I don't know, bro. I don't know if if, if, if I gotta give up the <laughs> handshake so we can get back. I'll give them up this year. Maybe wear gloves. I don't know.
1: <laughs> be
0: great! If you had now, gloves on and you're shaking, and it took them off, maybe we'll it's do great. like a like a, like a, like a pregame hazmat handshake.
1: Who's the Who's the teammate that's got the real like weird sheltering habits? There's got to be one person that's the that's like in a corner right now with a full hazmat suit on. Not talking. Yeah, who is it?
0: Um, germaphobe i know about a germaphobe, but I haven't heard from my homie Springer in a while. I think my man's is is chilling at the crib and uh, going on a, going on a, and fishing in the backyard a lot. If he does
2: no social media, any George Springer does no social media. He can check out from the universe anytime yeah. he wants. Yep, that's a great feeling, by the way. He doesn't get tagged 700 times a day it's like more,
0: you do. It's more and more. Uh, it's getting more and more. Um, it's weighing on me. You know, it's it, 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 it's starting to pique my interest a little bit.
1: I you not being on it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, my Twitter got hacked uh, like a week ago. What I happened? Phone. I was getting phone calls nonstop, at like three thirty in the morning, and I, I, I picked one up, and they're like, "Bro, oh, your your Twitter's hacked." And so I went on. It's like you know the standard bad stuff that everyone always tweets from accounts when they get hacked. So I just shut it off. I just, I just shut it. I changed the password real quick and shut it down. I haven't turned it back on in about two weeks. Um, so it's been that's been good. Tell them what you did, Eric.
1: I, I yeah, I mean, I I turned it off. I don't have the following you do, but I just it, it once once people started contacting my wife, fans of certain shows that I was ah. on, and I yeah. said, "That's enough. I'm done." So you know, for production, I kept my Instagram account. They they give me some photos. I keep that up, but 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 I just the, and I, and I post so infrequently, um, it just, it was a necessary, it was an unnecessary evil for me. And I I, just didn't, I didn't start to see any sort of, um, benefit from it. I really didn't.
0: Yeah. So they've, um, they've started actually prosecuting people that send you like direct messages or anything that you want, um, or any comments that, and like, if they're like threatening or if like, they, uh, like you, or they're going to, you know show up at your house and they, they were like prosecuting these people like one dude just got prosecuted from like a year ago um and is doing like a year. He's going to do like a year in jail. That's awesome. And so they told us to go through our messages and on Instagram and I I found like just off of like the first couple minutes I was like there's like enough here to you know there's like too wow. many here. I'm just going to stop looking. It's not even worth it's not even worth my time. If You know, people know where we're at. If they really feel that, that strongly about it, I'm not going to, you know, go Takashi on him.
1: Yeah. How's that, <laughs> how's that tattoo coming right now? Is he actually, I, I heard a little bit, I heard the pin going, is he, mm. is he doing work? No,
0: he's, he's doing some shade work on the whole forum right now. So it's an in inside close to like the, the sensitive part. So it's not feeling great, but talking to you guys is, uh, is helping. helping out.
1: So yeah. what, do you have, what is, what's what? the tattoo?
0: It's a wolf, and half of the wolf's face is like a a geo um, style, and um, it's we're we're doing some stuff to mix up and make it a little bit unique. It's gonna be it's gonna be dope. It's gonna be are sick.
2: You, are you coming back with the hair game on point again? I mean, you right now you're in a completely different. This isn't what we're used to. We're used this to this is Florida. Just t- yeah, this is Florida. Yeah. This is right now. It looks like you were, It looks like an homage
1: to Garrett Cole. Now if, so you someone,
0: if you run into someone looking like me in Florida, hold those keys tight.
1: <laughs> Are you wearing Crocs right now? Like, look, 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 what's your shoe game no, right now? Because those is, nah, right is good. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, listen, because Blackland Distillery is one of our sponsors, and we always ask our guests what they want, but because you missed all of last year and you're going through a pandemic right now, and you have to figure out how to get the money right to come back, we're just going to send you the bourbon, the rye, the vodka, the gin. Uh, you, get the, all, baby. you get the four pack. Share it amongst whoever you trust the most. Maybe your tattoo artist,
1: and uh, and we'll be good to go.
0: Hey, guys, I appreciate
1: uh, that. Wait, I got Lance uh, Zerline. I've got to jump in here because, Lance, you might be able to fulfill a bucket list of mine okay. um, next time I'm in Houston. Okay, so I have never been able to stand in the box against a major league pitcher. Let's see what the that hook. looks like. You throw out a first I, pitch in a game. And I did throw out the first pitch. I'll send you video if you want to look at it. Take, check out the mechanics. They're nice. They're nice. Don't sure. just forget about the fact it doesn't get to the oh, plate. I'll,
0: I'll look at it, and I'll let you know if they're nice.
1: <laughs> they're not nice, I can <laughs> assure you. But when that little PR girl said to stand in front of the mound, I said, fuck that. I'm going on the mound, okay? I'm going to kick that shit. I'm going here, on the mound.
2: Come stand here yeah. in front of the whole mound. And yeah. you're like, I'm going yeah. straight yeah, to not the not so bump.
1: much. But I want to stand in the box and see pitches from a major league pitcher. Will you be able to at some point fulfill that bucket list for me?
0: Yeah, that's no problem. If you come, in, if you're back in Houston before we ever have a spring training again, or if you're back in Houston any time in the off season around like January, February when I'm ramping up for spring, that that's easy. Just just go ahead and stand. I need guys standing anyway, so
1: perfect.
0: Uh, I don't want 12-6.
2: I want it coming from like two o'clock. <laughs> uh, the curveball?
0: Yeah, I want it coming uh, from like 2 o'clock yeah, I'll give him a little 3-7 <laughs> Yes,
1: yes the well, I, it buckles If you pitch me 10 pitches Will I ki- Will I connect with any of them? Shit No, no that's We're like going to live the, stream that's it That's like
2: when the Bulgarian tried to roll with you You're like, you got tapped out <laughs> in 5 seconds, dude You're not going to be an amazing And that's like, a he was probably a yellow He's well a white belt Bulgarian you're not beating up the guy with nasty stuff, and the fastball moves too. It's a two-seamer.
0: All right, dude, you're well, not well, touching uh, it. I mean, if, we, if we're going to live stream, we'll have to do it closer to like February 10th. So I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to roll.
2: What are you Done. working at right now? Your fastball. What's working at right now?
0: Oh, uh, I was on the mound. Um, I threw a live about two and a half, three weeks ago, um, and I was back in. I was back in the low 90s. Just in spring training, I was back up to 96.
1: Yeah, Eric, you'll definitely get a hit. By the way, I'm going to the cages today now. I'm going to the cages today. <laughs> I'm getting ready. February. I've got time. February. I got you time. time.
0: Yeah, so we'll see it. we'll see how much you want to we'll see how much you want to get a knock, you know, we'll see how much work you put in.
1: I'm going to put in work, bro. <laughs> Sounds good, man. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much, dude. Really appreciate it. This is a really great chat. Yeah, yeah good got, stuff, Lance. We appreciate that. it, man.
0: I enjoyed it. All right, Bye, you man. got it. Thanks, yeah. man. All right, I'll see ya. you. Tip.
1: And that'll do it for episode 202, Lance McCullers Jr. Our artwork is by Tony Moles at AnthemAgency.com. Super talented guy. Uh, if you want to get in touch with him, uh, you can get him on his Twitter or Instagram account at Anthem Agency. That's uh, Anthem without the E-A-N-T-H-M Agency dot com and our music is by the very talented josh cook josh is not only a talented musician but also a fantastic actor and a friend of mine uh, you can get in touch with josh cook on his instagram feed at josh cook j-o-s-h-c-o-o-k-e also in touch with him through his website here lies foe dot com H-E-R-E-L-I-E-S-F-O dot com. He has Instagram pages for both of those, Josh Cook and HereLiesFoe.com, and we appreciate his help with the music. And, of course, one more time, Blackland Distillery, fantastic, fine spirits. Uh, they have been kind enough to send spirits to our guests and supply Lance and I with plenty of fluid to hydrate during our podcasts. Blackland Distillery FW stands for Fort Worth. You can get them on their Instagram page at, yep, you guessed it, Blackland Distillery FW. Uh, Go check them out.